glad you're here this morning, each one, and uh, glad for this season of Thanksgiving that reminds us that we always need to express our gratitude for what God has done for us. And, you know, sometimes we are guilty of leaving things out of our lives that are very important, aren't we? Uh, we, we know we should, we know we ought to, and somehow or another uh, we get occupied with other things. Uh, as I was talking to somebody last week, they said, uh, life happens. <laughs> life happens. It just Sometimes it runs over you like a steamroller, doesn't it? One thing after another, and you think uh, not one other thing can go wrong. And then, uh, then the car won't start, <laughs> or you know, all kind of things. Uh, so, so we have a living illustration of that this morning in the sermon title. If you happen to look at the bulletin, the sermon title is, It is a Thing. No, it's not. <laughs> That's not the sermon title. <laughs> There was an omission. <laughs> and so you might think, wow, that's kind of a strange sermon. It, it's a thing to give thanks to the Lord. <laughs> but if you look at Psalm 92, you'll find out that there was a, an omission, inadvertent admission. And it says there in Psalm 92 what that line should be. So if you would stand with me this morning, and I have Psalm 92.1 as being the scripture focus, but we will read Psalm 92 in its entirety. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish or simple man knoweth not, neither doth a fool or stupid person understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall be, shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn, or like the horn of a wild ox. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. My eye shall also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. 
those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Let's ask the Lord's help on this time together. Lord, as we've read out of your book this morning, we know there's no other book like this. And we know that it's God's words to us. We know, dear Lord, that in this are the treasures that we need to enrich in our lives. We know that in these passages are the things that we need to guide and direct our ways. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help us for these few minutes this morning as we look at the word. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, that, Lord, you would come in your presence, and, Lord, may there, may there be something that will stand out to people this morning, perhaps in different ways, in different areas that will help them to feel that they have gotten something from the service this morning that will enrich their lives and help them to be what they need to be. I pray, dear Lord, that your blessings will be upon this part of the service and upon the special activity that will follow this time. We ask, dear Lord, for your special help in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as I thought about the message for this morning, and uh, this verse came to mind, I, I know that uh, a couple years ago I preached on a passage out of here, out of this a chapter, out of this division of the Psalms. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, remember that passage, uh, but it was, uh, it was Palm Tree Christians, uh, and uh, talked about the palm tree and some of the some of the uh, qualities of the, of the palm tree and how they are compared to the life of the Christian. Uh, but I felt this morning that I wanted to especially focus on the first verse of this psalm and the other verses we'll look at, but especially to uh, bring, the, bring the spotlight on this first verse uh, where uh, it, we are told that this, uh, the prophet exhorts us, and we don't know if it's a psalm of David. It just says, prophet exhorts us to praise God. It says it's a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. And uh, so the writer says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And I, so I questioned uh, why is it a good thing to give thanks to the Lord? Why is it a good thing to give thanks to the Lord? Uh, when we talk about giving thanks to the Lord, uh, if, if we exalt his name, if we extol him, if we praise him, does that make God any greater? Does that make God any more powerful? Does it make God any more glorious? 
than if we keep our mouth shut and don't say anything. Isn't God ultimately perfection? Can we add anything to his perfection? Can, can we enhance his qualities in, in any way uh, by anything that we say? Um, I would, I would uh, offer to you this morning the thought that there are people that certainly detract from the glory of God, that detract from his greatness, and from time to time, uh, I hear things that are said by people that are profane uh, where they say very terrible things about God and sometimes about Jesus Christ. And they'll use his name to curse and to vent their anger. Isn't it amazing that when people, when people want to say something terrible and mean, uh, they take either the name of God or they take the name of Jesus and they say these things. Uh, they never take the name of Buddha, do they? Uh, they? They never take the name of Mohammed. Uh, they always want to take the name of, of Jesus. I think there's a reason for that. I think that's because he is who he says he is. And because he is the highest authority, and because someday the scripture says we all are going to stand before him and give account of our lives to him, and there have been those that have differentiated on the different judgments that are going to take place, they will say, well, uh, the great white throne judgment, that is for all non-believers, for all those that are unprepared. And then there's the Bema seat, which I, when I was growing up, I never heard anything about the Bema seat. All we knew was that there was a great judgment coming, and uh, we better be ready. And I, I still believe the same way today, that there is a great judgment coming, and we need to be ready. And uh, you can sort all things out, and you can think this is going to happen with this group and this, that group. Uh, we know the Bible talks about the division of sheep and goats, that those who help Israel are going to be in the group of the sheep and those that are against Israel in the group of the goats. So there's various judgments that are listed in the scripture. So, yeah, I think people can take away from the goodness and greatness of God by derogatory things they say, not that that diminishes God in his character, but it does diminish him in the eyes of those that are round about you. Because he is deserving of our highest praise and adoration and glory. And his name should always be honored. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit worried when I hear people that are good Christian people and have, have positions of authority in various areas of Christendom, that it seems so easy for them uh, to take the name of God in vain. Oh my God, oh my God, you just, you just hear it. Uh, 
I, it, just, it just springs automatically to their lips. Uh, the Bible tells us that God will not hold us guiltless if we use his name in an irreverent way. It does not mean we have to curse by his name, but just use it as a profane expression, just something to accent. Jesus said, let your yeas be yea and your nays be nay. And so I think we ought, to, we ought to be careful about those things. But, you know, if you, if you turn Thomas Magnum on and listen to him, <laughs> and you have the characters, uh, it's, a, it's a common thing, you know. It's, oh, my God. <laughs> just like, that's just the way it always is. That's the way we talk. Well, if that is true that we can diminish God in things that we say as far as in the minds of other people, then is it also not true that if we do not praise him, that we do not give him that place of exaltation in the minds of other people? No, it doesn't, doesn't make God any smaller. Uh, you know, some people have, have a little God anyway, don't they? Uh, their God is not a, cop a capital G. Their God is not Jehovah, the great Jehovah. Uh, I've heard uh, where Howard Hendricks would go, uh, an educator in Christian University, would go hear his, his uh, graduates his graduate preachers uh, preach, and he would only go hear them one time after they graduated. He'd go to their church and listen to them. And uh, so when he would hear them, then uh, they would think he might be coming back again, but he, he would only come one time, and uh, he would hear what they had to say, what, what their sermon was, and so forth. And when they would question him or when there was conversation about uh, what he thought, uh, well, he found out what, he found out what they thought. They, he found out what they believed. Are you, are you a big godder or are you a little godder? <laughs> do, he, do you have an almighty God that can do everything that's in charge of the universe? Or do you just have a little God that you can you can manage and you can manipulate and uh, you know, he's, he's not that big of a deal. He can't do everything. He has bad days too. Um, I'm so glad for Thelma Hansen, Denny's mom, because when I go see her uh, and I'm visiting with her, she will tell me that she made God laugh today. <laughs> Is that right, Thelma? Yeah, God sees some of the things I do, and God laughs about it until his hair falls out, is what she tells me. <laughs> you, never know, you never know what's going to come out of that woman's mouth. And I get, I get such, a, such a kick out of listening to her, and, uh, and she's for real. I mean, yeah, she thinks God's watching her, and he sees her fumbling, and uh, I suppose maybe he sees all of us in that way when we love him, and maybe maybe he has to laugh at many of us 
and some of the things that we do. Yeah, well, I don't know about God's hair falling out, but anyway, that's what Thelma thought. So, uh, a big godder or a little godder? So, yes, in that respect, we can exalt God or we can diminish God, not that we make him any different, but Psalm 34 uh, tells us to come and magnify the Lord with me is what it says. Magnify the Lord with me. Uh, we, need to, we need to magnify, make him bigger. And you know, when I had a uh, pair of binoculars as a kid, and I would, I would look through those little cheap toy binoculars and things would be magnified out here. It was, it was pretty amazing to me. But then I found out I could turn them around and look through the big part. <laughs> and you've done that, haven't you? And you look the opposite way, everything's diminished, everything's little. Well, we need to look at God as best we can to see his greatness and his glory and his goodness. Well, I was thinking as I prepared this message that there are things that can keep you from giving thanks, true thanks to the Lord. Uh, that uh, there, are, there are things that can hinder you from actually being truly thankful. Hopefully, none of us here are guilty of that. But we can fall into a rut. And we can, if we're not careful, become some of these people that claim to believe in God, claim to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, can be, we can be people who are guilty of grumbling. Uh, I don't think you can truly be thankful and be grumbling. Uh, Stan Toller said, uh, some people rise and shine and some people rise and whine. <laughs> rise and shine or rise and whine. Uh, I've been around people that, even people that profess faith in God, uh, that uh, are focused on the negative and look through the big end of the monocular and make everything little. And so they, they have a tendency to uh, go to work and they want to find fault with the boss, they want to find fault with everybody around them and they'll do the best they can to ruin everybody's day. Uh, you know, at Honda, I, I was around people that claimed to be Christian, um, but I was a little embarrassed to think that they were representing Jesus Christ with the attitude that they had. Uh, I, remember, I remember a man getting so mad uh, that he got up, we had we had pizza brought in for a special treat. He got up on the table and walked on the pizza. <laughs> well, no, no adult would do that, would they? Yeah, people do 
all kind of bad things like that. So, yeah, we can't really be grumbling because uh, we can't be thankful and be, and be grumbling, grumbling and picking apart this and that and the other thing and thinking somehow or another it's all okay. Uh, we, we will be okay with that. Uh, uh, making it tough on, on the boss and taking as much time as we can uh, away from a work day uh, to be slow and do as little as possible. People actually get in trouble for going to work and being productive in some places because the others on the line don't want them to produce that much because they have to work harder. Uh, that should never be a Christian attitude, but just drag it down, slow it down, make, make it hard on everybody, make it fail if possible. If it's a new idea, it's not going to work, and you're going to do everything you can to, to show that it's not going to work. Uh, dragging things down. I, I remember one guy that used to go in the restroom when I worked at uh, United Technologies. Uh, it was his habit to go in the restroom when he got to work. He didn't use the restroom at home, evidently. He went in the restroom at work, and he would be in there for a good little while. Uh, because, you know, you have to let the processes of elimination take their time, <laughs> as you said. And so uh, he, he would just take his good old time. Well, one day uh, he had a day scheduled off. Everybody didn't know it, but, the, but uh, one of the guys that knew it, uh, it was a dirty job, so you took off your coveralls and left them there. Uh, with all the oil spray and everything that went on there. You'd leave them there and leave your old greasy boots there. So somebody went in, into the changing room, into the restroom, and uh, got a pair of his coveralls and draped them over the toilet with the legs hanging down, put his boots down there at the bottom of the legs. And uh, it was a couple hours for people went and found out that it really wasn't him. <laughs> that somebody was pulling a joke and making it look like he was taking his long break. Only this morning, it was really a long break. So they thought he died in there. So, uh, you know, there's people that are doing everything they can uh, to be spiteful and hateful. You can't be thankful and be like that. Um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes our own limitations are hard to deal with when we go to a job or even around the house, our own limitations. And they can set the stage for us uh, to be hard to be around. Uh, but God knows that uh, with our limitations, we can still glorify him if we have a good outlook and a good attitude. Um, so uh, another thing, of course, uh, uh, holding a grudge, a score to settle. Uh, that can happen in, in households. Uh, husband, wife, uh, 
giving somebody the silent treatment. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll punish you. I, I, know, I know how to get at you. I just, I just won't talk. Um, Dr. John R. Church said that his dad was, was a powder. He would, he would go days and not say a word uh, and just punish the family. Uh, Dr. Church said he would, he would have rather he would have just had an outburst and got it over with. But he just drug it out, drug it out every day. You're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorry. Uh, husbands and wives and children in households, uh, even out of the households, people shouldn't be that way, folks, because life's too short to be that way and problems need to be worked out. And uh, nobody, nobody is 100% somebody you can agree with. I heard on a financial program that the people, the people, the couple that says that they never have a disagreement, never have a, a difference of opinion, they're always together on it, the financial advisor said one of them's a liar. One of them's a liar, because when you got two people, you got two opinions, unless somebody's lying. And so, yes, uh, we can we can hold a grudge. We can we can get back at people, and we can make people suffer. Um, how about the gossiper? Can we be truly thankful and be a gossiper, and want to run our mouth about? what we think somebody else did. And, and I've heard different things, you know, you think somebody said something, and oh, that set somebody else off, and then, and then off it goes. It's not just in church, it's in communities, it's, it's at the workplace, it's at the market, it's, it's different places. Have you heard, do you know? Oh, you know, and let's, let's spread it around, you know. Um, and like the, the person said, listen close the first time because I promise not to repeat this. So uh, they'll just say it one time, they're not going to repeat it. So yes, can we really be thankful when we have a religion that leaks out of our mouth? The religion leaks out of your mouth. No, I don't think so. Or when you feel cheated. You know, we talk about... Uh, the Ten Commandments about not coveting, uh, but sometimes some people have a whole lot more than what we do or what we ever think we're going to have. And we see some very, very palatial homes in our area. Uh, we see some very nice manicured lawns. Uh, I never worried about dandelions in my lawn. I kind of like them because I like for the honeybees to come and and uh, get what they want off the dandelions. But uh, I know some people. Oh, that's a weed. Can't have a weed in your yard. You got to got to have somebody out there kill all that stuff. Uh, we don't we don't care about that. Some of us in the country, uh, and you know, some neighbors are in trouble with other neighbors in town if they got dandelions. They don't treat them because their seeds carried over and. They paid money to have this beautiful lawn, and they want to have barefoot grass, don't they? 
We want to have barefoot grass. Well, that's all wonderful, uh, but everybody's not going to march to the beat of our drum, and there is going to be differences, and there are definitely differences in intellect. Some people start off a whole lot better than some others. Uh, some people have uh, relatives that give them a good boost, and they have a they have means to help them, and they get a good start, and then. Others have to claw their way up, don't they? If they are even able to ascend a little bit financially. Um, you know, just uh, sometimes in my mind, just a nice soft chair to sit down in at night and a, and, and a, and a bag of uh, caramel corn uh, to munch on a little bit, just relax and enjoy. Uh, somebody else may have a whole lot more, but that's okay. God bless them. Because it's all just temporary anyway, isn't it? Uh, this world's not our home. And that's what the scriptures teach us, that this world is not our home, that we're just passing through. And we need to do as much good for as many people as we can on the way. Yeah, some people have a lot more. So it is a good thing for us. It is a good thing for us. This is what Matthew Henry, the commentator, said about this. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew Henry said, <coughs> wrote, Praising God is not only good in itself, but good for us. And we know God deserves it, doesn't he? God deserves it. He deserves our praise. And so, yes, uh, we used to talk about a thing called carnality. Certainly that'll rob Thanksgiving because some of these things I've talked about are all a part of what is called the fleshly nature or the carnal nature where you're living for self. Even after you're saved, there remains in you a, a nature adverse to the things of God. And, and we're told, the Apostle Paul said uh, in Corinthians, some of you are yet carnal and walk as men. I like what Nelson Perdue said about that. He said the fact that the Apostle says some of you are yet carnal means you don't have to be that way. You can come, ask the Lord to have the Holy Spirit come in your life, you can open your heart to him and let him come in and cleanse out the evil desires and the burning fire of the Holy Spirit can do that. And that's what, that's what preaching full salvation is all about, that we don't have to live a defeated life and deal with emotions that we can't handle, that are unholy, that are unhealthy, that make us and everybody around us unhappy. We can come and ask the Lord to fill our lives with his presence, and we can ask for him to work in us. It is called being, being filled with, with perfect love. Being filled with perfect love. You say nothing's perfect. Well, if it's of God, it is. And so we can open our heart, and God can fill us with his love, if we yield ourselves, as Romans 12, 1 tells us, to yield ourselves to him and 
to give ourselves fully to him. I wanted to give you a, a little excerpt from the life of a man that lived a long time ago. I've mentioned him once in a while. Some of you that have been in church a long time have heard him. He was a Nazarene, and he was an evangelist, and he was a man that was saved uh, from, a, from a life uh, that was uh, very wild and reckless. Uh, he was a man that stuttered so bad you couldn't understand him. Uh, you couldn't understand him. God called him to preach. And when he announced that he was, after he'd gotten saved and God called him to preach, that he was going to use a little old schoolhouse. You could do that in that day, an empty schoolhouse, have people come in, and he was going to preach. People, when they knew he was going to preach, came because they thought he can't even talk. How can he preach? And so they, they filled that old schoolhouse to come and hear Bud Robinson, who became known as Uncle Buddy Robinson. They came to hear him preach, uh, knowing that he couldn't talk, and they knew he couldn't preach. And so uh, he, did, he moved out by faith, and he went to that schoolhouse and uh, had an awful time getting started and began his sermon and stuttered so bad he couldn't be understood. But then as he kept trying, God touched him. And God helped Uncle Buddy to be able to be understood. Yes, he always talked with a lisp. But he preached so that sinners understood the gospel and instead of laughing, there were people that began to go into a state of sorrow for their sins and came. And so there were a great many that were saved at that time from his obedience. Uh, during the course of his life, uh, he, he was known as a person of great love. Uh, he always wanted to preach holiness uh, preach that God could sanctify a person through and through and help them live for the glory of God. And uh, so uh, he was holding a meeting in San Francisco, and uh, it was in the night he was walking and uh, wasn't paying enough attention. He got run over and almost got crushed by a streetcar on, on the steel tracks. Uh, jumped off of that and a, and a big car hit him. And, and there's quite a deal he writes in my hospital experience. Tells about how broken up he was. And remember now, I said this a long time ago. This over 100 years ago. 1919. Now you know things were very primitive medically. Today you might think they're still primitive medically because... Remember, medicine is the practice of medicine. They never tell you it's a perfected science. It's still the practice. So they're still practicing. But they had a whole lot less practice back in 1919 than what they have today, and a whole lot less as far as painkillers are concerned. And uh, Bud Robinson was broken up so bad, his, his right arm was terribly broken up uh, with bone sticking out the skin, 
uh, with uh, bone sh uh, slivers going into the muscle. His left leg was terrible. Um, all over, he was just terrible, in terrible condition. And uh, his friends wanted a specialist to be his doctor. And uh, Uncle, Uncle Bud Robinson uh, had these good friends that were in the church, uh, and they, they persuaded the doctor. They told the doctor they would pay him. They wanted him to take care of their friend. And so he came and talked to Bud Robinson. His name was Dr. Rumwell. And he came in, uh, let Bud Robinson know that uh, he did not believe uh, in God. He was an atheist. He'd been raised in Illinois, was educated in Paris, and knew nothing about God or religion. Um, actually had made the statements that he didn't believe there was anything as such, of a, as, such as a Christian. And so uh, he, he agreed to take Bud Robinson's case. And so he operated on Bud Robinson Bud Robinson was in terrible pain, and they did not give you painkiller back then. Sometimes the pain in the leg that was in a cast was so bad that it felt like uh, he could not stand it. That it was, the doctor said, if, if it rages and you want to put your leg back over the headboard, do it. Uh, whatever you want to do, uh, that was just the situation. The left, the, the right arm was especially worrisome. The doctor didn't know if he was going to be able to save that because it had so many breaks. It was in such bad condition. And uh, so uh, we're told that uh, over the days the doctor worked on him, that Bud Robinson, when, when the doctor would be working, the pain would be so bad that instead of cursing or or using God's name in any way that was derogatory, Bud Robinson would holler out, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Glory to God! And uh, this old doctor, this old atheist doctor, it, it started working on this old atheist doctor. And uh, so, over, over the course of many days, uh, he got the arm to where it was somewhat stable, but he came in one day, and I'll, and I'll read this to you from the book, uh, where he says, um, he went to work on my arm, but he seemed to be a little pale and nervous. And as he worked, I prayed. I'm sure it was not because he was at work on my arm that he was nervous or pale, because he was a great surgeon and operated on people every day. But the dear Lord had been talking to his heart. But as he worked on my arm and I prayed, little by little, the putrefaction seemed to pull away from the flesh. And finally, when he got a great wad of it, wadded up and lifted it out of the hole in my arm, he laid his tools down and said, 
Glory to God. <laughs> we have cleaned it up. He seemed to be so excited over it that he rejoiced and didn't seem to know he, he was rejoicing. He probably doesn't know today why he said, glory to God. We've cleaned it up. Now, this is an atheist. But Bud kept telling him, Uncle Buddy kept telling him, I love you and I want you to go to heaven with me. Well, the Lord knows that prayers were going up for him all the time, all over the United States, <clears throat> that he might handle my case in a successful way. So he came to the point where he was going to be dismissed from that particular facility, which was a specialist uh, facility. He was going to go to another place. said it took six months for the bone slivers to grow out of the muscle. And they, they would pull them out, and they would treat them with antibacterial stuff and try to, try to keep his arm, arm healthy. But he was going to be transferred from this place, and so Dr. Rumwell was not going to be his doctor now. So this is what Bud says. Uh, he said uh, that this preacher friend who gave Dr. Rumwell the check, that they had promised that they would pay him. Uh, he said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And he was so kind and beautiful on the last day that I was in the hospital. I came to the morning. He came in in the morning and dressed my wounds and told me I would stand the trip all right. And he asked me if I loved him. And I told him how, how well I loved him. And he went out. And I supposed I wouldn't, he wouldn't be back anymore. But it wasn't long until he was back in my room again, smiling and looking so kind and pleasant, and said to me again in a smiling way, Brother Bud, do you love me much? And I told him I did with all my heart. <clears throat> he then went out, and I supposed again that it was the last time I would see him. But it wasn't long until my doctor was back to see me again, smiled and said, Brother Bud, you will stand the trip fine. But at the same time, he asked me in his smiling way if I loved him. And I told him that I loved him and wanted him to go to heaven with me. And he smiled and said he thought he would be, that would be mighty nice. And while Dr. Rumwell was a great physician and surgeon, Yet he had a place in his heart that was tender, and he loved to be loved as well as the rest of us folks. And God had had hold of his heart and was pulling him towards heaven. When he was going out of my room the last time, he wiped the tears from his eyes and asked me if I loved him. I told him that I did and that I was expecting him to go to heaven. And I want to say right here that if Dr. Rumwell isn't beautifully saved, and if he doesn't make the landing in heaven, I'm going to be the worst disappointed man there. For I just truly expect the Lord to answer my prayers on his behalf. Well, that's, that is the spirit of love and concern for other people. I don't think you can be truly thankful 
unless Jesus Christ is your Savior and you're living in victory in what he's done for you on the cross. But if he's with us, he's more than all that can be against us, folks. And we don't have any guarantees that we're, that we're going to have smooth sailing in this world. You know, I've known some very good saints of God that have been brought low with disease and suffering, but they've gone through it like Job in the Old Testament. And they've said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him, yet will I trust him. And that's the way God can help us be because he's promised to be with us. So the psalmist says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And some of these other passages, they tell you that God has got something ahead for us, that we're, we're like planted in the house of the Lord. That's what David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we have a great assurance, we have a great hope, and we should be magnifying and exalt, ex, exalting the Lord in our lives and all that we do. And I trust that we will be and that this Thanksgiving will be overflowing with the love of Jesus for those that are around about us. Will you stand with me?